Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm now joined by one of my favorite college basketball writers who covers the University of Kentucky, John Clay. John, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, not as well as the Kentucky Wildcats are doing at the moment. I mean, number two in Ken Palm as of this recording. Pretty, pretty remarkable turnaround from what we saw from the Wildcats last year versus this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Calipari hit the reset button, uh, went out and got uh, some transfer portal guys who have really helped him this year. The 9-16 and 16 year last year, which is pretty unthinkable for Kentucky basketball, I would say is now officially in the rearview mirror the way they're playing right now. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get into we'll get into all of that. But if you had to start here, um, I wanted to ask with Coach Cal, um, who dipped into the portal this past year. Um, he changed a lot of stuff with how he coached offense and just kind of the scheme of what he was doing. And it's a very different looking Kentucky team, both on the floor, just schematically, with the kind of shots they're taking, all of that. Coach Calipari, I think, has adapted pretty well from what happened a season ago and just with how much the transfer portal is just changing college sports as a whole. But in your estimation, John, how has Coach Cal gotten Kentucky back on track this year? Well, uh, you know, as you mentioned, as we mentioned, he went into the transfer portal and he got uh, a severe Wheeler guard from Georgia point guard. That was a real uh, sticking point last year. They did not have good guard play, point guard play. And if you look at Cal Perry, especially since he's come to Kentucky, his best teams is when he when he has had a really good point guard. Uh, he needs that to run the offense. Last year's team was very um, uh, they lacked perimeter threat. They did not shoot the ball well. He went out and got Kellen Grady from Davidson, a really good uh, graduate student, a really good shooter. And then they didn't have much muscle inside last year. And he got a transfer actually last year, but he couldn't play in Oscar Shibway. And he's just been a machine this year as far as uh, he's like a double-double machine. We asked him after one game when he got 22 rebounds, can we call you a machine now? And he said, no, I'm still a beast. Uh, I won't be a machine until I get the 30 rebounds. He's had 28 this year, so I wouldn't put it past him that he could get 30. The other thing you mentioned, and you're exactly right, scheme-wise, this team has played much faster than Cal's teams have played in the past. They get the ball up and down the floor. I think a lot of that has to do with Wheeler. The point guard who can, you know, who's pretty, he's not tall. He's 5'9", but he is quick. He does push the ball. Um, that's helped him as well. So, really, and then you can't leave out, he does have a one-and-done guy in Ty Ty Washington, freshman guard, who's been very impressive this year. He's, he's a very poised freshman. He lets the game come to him. He's been very consistent. So, right now, I mean, all the pieces have really fit together to make this turnaround from last year. Why is Wheeler fit in so well? Um, because he wasn't just like he was not the the big name transfer in the offseason. That was not someone that people were. It was the Davidson kid. It was just the shooting and the and just the the emphasis there from Coach Cal. It wasn't it wasn't like Wheeler was expected to be this much of a of an impact player, right? Right. I mean, he, yeah, coming in, he had two problems coming in at Georgia. He turned the ball over too much. He averaged over uh, four turnovers a game last year at Georgia, and he did not shoot the ball well. And he started out the year with Kentucky, didn't shoot the ball well. Their loss that they took at Notre Dame when they lost 66-62 at South Bend, Notre Dame basically played off of him and said, we don't care if you shoot, go ahead and shoot. And Cal actually benched him the last five minutes of the game. And we asked Cal after the game, you know, what what is Severe Wheeler? What's he supposed to, he's supposed to be your 
point guard. What's he supposed to think being on the bench? And Cal said, I hope he thinks I got to get better. And he has gotten better since then. He does have turnover problems from time to time. He had eight turnovers against Texas A&M a week or so ago. But when he's on his game, he really pushes the ball. Like I said, Cal wants to get up and down the floor with this team, and he's the perfect guy for that. He's very unselfish. He finds his teammates, and he's been shooting the ball better of late. So he's really been a catalyst, I think, to getting this offense going and getting the pieces around him involved. And you're right, he wasn't the biggest name guy to come in the transfer portal, but he's had as much impact as any, any of those guys. What uh what has been the biggest game for Kentucky this to this point in the season? You mean the biggest game? Yeah, the biggest game for you in terms of like, okay, this established kind of who Kentucky is this season for you. Well, they had they had really good games. They had games where they were playing, hitting on all cylinders early in the mm-hmm. year, North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic. Uh uh that was coming off that Notre Dame loss. They played extremely well. A few days later, they played Western Kentucky at home, shot lights out, beat Western Kentucky. On that night, Rick Stansbury said, the team we played tonight on this night was the best team in the country. A couple of weeks later, they played Tennessee at home, shot 67%, beat Tennessee. We don't need to talk about that game. 70, we can leave that one out, John. We don't have to, we don't have to relitigate what happened <laughs> against Tennessee. I don't, I don't need to do that. I was there. I was watching it. I, I don't need to do that anymore. That was not a pleasant experience for me. It, and you think if you're Kentucky, okay, that you know, at their high point, they're not going to be able to do that again. That was just one of those nights. But then the way they played against Kansas last week was almost similar to that game. They didn't shoot as high a percentage, but they dominated from start to finish. And that was on Kansas's home floor at Allen Fieldhouse. To me, that game stamped, okay, this team's not just a Final Four contender. They could win it all if they, they have the pieces to win it all. That doesn't mean they're going to win it all. They've had some health problems. They have some. If they have a weakness, they'd like to have another big guy come through, Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin, to play consistently. But the pieces are there, and to me, they showed at Kansas beating a high-level team, dominating a high-level team on their own home floor, that they're definitely a national threat. That's the game that really convinced me. So you you see Final Four aspirations with this group? You think that's yeah, a absolutely. possibility? Way, yeah, absolutely. The way they have played. Now, obviously, they. They've lost some tough games on the road. They lost at LSU. Severe Wheeler was hurt early on in that game. They lost at Auburn. Ty Ty Washington was hurt midway through the first half in that game. Auburn's really good. But we hope we get to see a Kentucky-Auburn game in the SEC tournament. That would be a treat. Uh, but Auburn's really good, and there's some other teams out there that are really good. Uh, but I think Kentucky, especially as you hit on earlier, they got guys from transfer portal. They have some guys with experience, which makes this a different Calipari team. It's just that these guys got their experience at other places before they come before they came to Kentucky. But I think with that experience and the talent they have, I think they definitely have Final Four aspirations. It's so interesting because some coaches they don't adapt. They the older coaches they don't adapt to a changing coaching landscape to just the way there's there's just been so much change in college sports in the last couple of years that. It's a lot of adapt or die. And some coaches are just like, all right, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to the NBA or I'm moving on because I don't want to deal with all of this stuff. Calipari was in a really interesting spot with Kentucky after last year because the expectations, as you well know, are sky high and they should be like Kentucky is one of those places. And we'll see what uh, Louisville does. But you just saw that Chris Mack was like, I just didn't win enough. Like that's that's just the nature of the beast when you're coaching uh, college basketball in the state of Kentucky. But um, did you see it pivoting back? This way, because I it started to feel like that Cal was this was looked like the end of Coach Cal's dominance in Lexington based on what we saw last year. 
And then he makes all these transfer additions. He has a different kind of roster, different kind of feel. And now we're talking on this very podcast about this team potentially winning a national title. It's kind of kind of wild because it does seem like a lot of folks um, were starting to wonder was this was this it uh, after last year? Yeah, I mean there was no de- there was no doubt that the game was changing, and we all wondered if would Cal change with it. Mm-hmm. You know, when they went nine and sixteen last year, Cal for the most part said, you know, this you know I'm, this is this is just one of those years. We did not have a summer where the he relies a lot on the guys coming in early in the summer, getting to know each other because he basically has a new roster every year. They didn't have the regular uh, preseason like they had before last year because of COVID. Same thing with the schedule. They didn't have those gimme games, those confidence builders in the non-conference schedule. Uh, but the truth of the matter is he has changed his thinking in a couple areas. One being in the past, Cal has always wanted, I want athletes, guys who can rebound and guys who can play defense. You know, if they're great shooters, if I have a Tyler Hero or somebody like that, that's uh, Brandon Knight, that's great. But what I really want is athletic guys who can rebound and play defense. But this team, he's decided after seeing, and he said it, it's become more of a skill-based game. And that's why usually you go out and get – Kellen Grady from Davidson. He also got C.J. Frederick from Iowa, who is hurt, is not playing this season. He'll be back next year, but he's another excellent uh, shooter. He's also played at a faster pace than he's played before, and I think that's also, you know, a sign of the times. We've got to score, and he said that himself. With this team, we've got to score in the 80s to win games. If we score in the 60s, we're not going to win games, and they lost at LSU 65-60, lost Notre Dame 66-62. So I think that's a little bit of a change in thinking on Cal's behalf as well. He's shown that he can adjust and go with the way the game is going right now. Can you sprinkle some of that down here in Knoxville? Because I would love some 80-point games uh, consistently in my life. That would that'd be great, John. I, uh, I would very much appreciate that in my life. Uh, just one normal, fun offensive weekend for the Vols would be great. Um, what makes Ty Ty Washington, though, different than past uh, Cal lottery picks? You know, it's funny. Uh, they got Ty Ty at the end of the recruiting cycle last year. So, I mean, we knew something about him. We but, And we knew that he was supposed to be a good freshman. But I think he surprised us even at how you know, even us, you know, people who follow recruiting, how well he's played. He's a very poised player, a very patient player. Um, he doesn't force a lot of things. He doesn't seem to get too down if he has a bad game. First game of the season against Duke, he was 3 of 14 from the field. He bounced back from that. When Severe Wheeler was hurt, he got hurt in the LSU game. He missed the next game when they played Georgia. Ty Ty stepped into the point, set a school record with 17 assists. So he's a very versatile player. He can make his own shot. He can score, which Cal said that hurt him in the Auburn game because they don't really have another guy like that. Um, you know, he's been really good this year, been a really consistent player. Even Saturday at Kansas, he was one of nine from the floor. He came back from the ankle injury. He missed the game. He was one of nine from the floor, but he had five assists. Overall, he had a good floor game. You know, he's been really, you know, they've had some really good freshmen obviously come through here. He's impressed me as much as anybody just by the poise and the maturity he's shown, you know, in his freshman season. What's the rotation like? Do you think it's pretty much set the rest of the way? Is there any more moving parts that might disrupt that a little bit? Anyone coming back from injury? Like, how do you see the rotation uh, filling out for the rest of this this stretch run here? I think it's pretty well set with his five starters. He brings Jacob Toppin in off the bench. Davion Mintz comes in off the bench. I think he'd like to find another guy. He's talked about it before. Damian Collins is a kid. He's a big kid, but he's 
young, slender guy. He still needs some, you know, he needs to get in the weight room, but he's got that height. Like I mentioned earlier, I think Cal would like to have another guy in there to compliment Shebway. Lance Ware has started to come on of late. He played pretty well at Kansas. He's given him some energy minutes. He did the other night in the first half. I think if there's anybody who can kind of crack that seven, eight-man rotation, it would either be Lance Ware or Damian Collins. Or right now, Lance Ware's got the upper hand. He's playing better. And if he continues to improve, he could be a big piece with his team moving forward. Which loss surprised you the most? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, Notre Dame was surprising just from the standpoint I didn't think Notre Dame was going to be very good this year, but it was their first road game. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, aside from that loss to, <laughs> to Duke last night when they couldn't make a shot, Notre Dame has played better than I thought. Uh, LSU at the time that they met him, like I said, Wheeler got hurt. Tata Washington had some cramps and uh, cramping problems in the second half. But if uh, you had to go with one loss, that surprised. I wasn't surprised at Auburn. I think Auburn's really good. And with Ty Ty getting hurt, getting hurt I think if Ty Ty had stayed healthy in that game, Kentucky had a shot. But I think Auburn's really good and hard to beat on their home floor. So right now I would say that loss to Notre Dame is the one that surprised me the most. Is Auburn the biggest mismatch problem for Kentucky? But Or is there another team? Is it an LSU? Is it uh, I'm not going to throw Tennessee out there based on what we saw. I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably not a, a big issue if they get matched up in the tournament. Um, is there one? Is it Alabama? Is there another team out there? Is it Vanderbilt? We'll find out this week. The sleeping giants that is the Vanderbilt Commodores in the SEC. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, who who is the biggest matchup problem based on the personnel? Uh, with uh, Kentucky Wildcats. I think you're right. I think it's Auburn because Auburn has two big guys in Walker Kessler, and then they have Jabari Smith who can both play inside and outside. Now, Keon Brooks obviously played really well at Kansas. Jacob Toppin has had his moments, but I'm not sure they've got a guy who can really match up with Jabari Smith. I think that's the one who would give them the most problems. He brought up Alabama. They Kentucky goes to Alabama on Saturday. Kentucky hasn't played Alabama yet. Um, you know, Alabama's been so up and down, but when they're on their game, I mean, they've beaten three of the teams that were in the Final Four last year in Houston, Gonzaga, and Baylor. Alabama will be playing at home. The crowd obviously will be into it. Um, you know, that'll be a great matchup on Saturday, not to overlook Vanderbilt, who they would play next. But I'd say right now, of all the teams in the SEC, Auburn is the one that would probably give them the most matchup problems. And going back to Wheeler, Auburn kind of has a severe Wheeler in their, in their own rights and Wendell yeah. Green Jr., who played just down the road at Eastern before he went to Auburn. Those guys are very similar. So uh, Jabari Smith is that piece that I'm not sure Kentucky really has. Who who have the fans latched onto the most? Who have you noticed that fans are all in on with this Kentucky team? They love Oscar. They love Oscar okay. Sheboy because just the way he's played night after night, he's uh, fun to talk to. He's uh, uh, very gracious and uh, with his time and so forth uh, after games and uh, on you know when he's on the media zooms and so forth. You know, I had somebody the, just the other day uh, send me a note saying, uh, you know, I've watched Kentucky. I've been a Kentucky fan since birth, but I, I might be ready to admit that Oscar Sheboy is my favorite Kentucky player of all time. And that's saying wow. something when you consider the players that have come through here. So right now, I mean, I think the fans really like this team. They're a very unselfish team. And especially, as you mentioned early on, coming back from last year, they're very happy to have a team that's back in the national spotlight. But if I had to pick one player right now, it would be Oscar Sheboy. Is he your most fun to talk with thus far of this group? Uh, he, they've all been good to talk to. Kellen Grady is probably the most interesting person to talk to. He's Why very mature. He's they, the other players call him Granddad because he's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, very thoughtful guy. Uh, you know, excellent shooter. 
uh, he's been fun to talk to too, but all of them have been good. And then, you know, one thing we got to, which we didn't get to do last year because of the COVID Cal has camps and they made one player available at each camp. It was kind of a thing to get the media to come to camp and cover it, but you got to see them interact with each other at these camps and with the kids. And you could tell pretty early on that they had a pretty good chemistry about them and that guys got along. And um, I think that's proven to be the case as we go through the season. How long do you think Cal will keep doing this? Well, that's a good question. You know, it's funny when Cal got here, uh, Back in 2009, he held like individual interviews with the media outlets. And uh, my colleague, Jerry Tipton, and myself met with Cal. And towards the end of that interview, Cal told us, said, one thing people, uh, you know, one thing is I'm not going to do this forever. I'm not going to do this as long as people uh, think I'm probably going to do it. But here he is in his 13th season. So, you know, I don't know. He's paid handsomely. I think he uh, loves to compete both in recruiting and in, uh, you know, on the floor. That's another thing we haven't brought up. He kind of blew up his coaching staff at the end of last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, his assistants, uh, Tony Barbie left for the Central Michigan job. Joel Justice went to Arizona State. He brought in, he brought back Orlando Antigua, who had been on yeah. the staff before, and Shin Coleman, who had been with Antigua at Illinois. I think that was another uh, kind of a sign from Cal that, hey, I'm saying last year was just a blip, but on when it, as far as putting those words into action, he decided to do a lot of reset, push the reset button, both with the players on the floor and with his staff. And I think that's made a difference. They've recruited real well for next year. They still need a piece or two, but I think that's figured into the equation as well. Interesting. Um, so what are you, what are you monitoring? What storylines are you still going to keep up with that have your, um, that have caught your eye um, that you're really excited about uh, keeping up with? Uh, down the home stretch here? I think consistency, can they continue? I mean, they played at such a high level in some games, then other games that kind of dropped off. Can they consistently play at that level? They've proven that they're a really good offensive team. Their defense is getting better, but I think Cal would like for them to be a little bit better defensive team, so be watching Mm -hmm. that. And the other thing is, like we talked about, can they develop another guy? How will will Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin play? I think that's a key. And does Lance Ware continue to come on, or does he have to look to Damian Collins or somebody somebody who's going to spell Shebway so he's not playing 40 minutes a game? Or if he's done a really good job of staying out of foul trouble, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen every game. So you need another guy there as well, and I think we'll be watching that too. How much are Kentucky fans watching to see who Louisville hires to replace Mac? (laughs) Oh, that's that's a definite anything to do with Louisville uh, from mm-hmm. a negative standpoint. Kentucky fans love, but yeah, they'll be they'll be paying attention. And one reason they'll be paying attention is Kenny Payne, who's mm-hmm. a longtime assistant under John Calipari. He went to the Knicks last year. He's in his second year with the Knicks. He's a former Louisville player. His name has come up for the opening. Uh, personally, I've written that I think Louisville, he's the guy Louisville should hire. If there's anybody who could bring Louisville to, uh, fans together, I think, it, and their uh, alumni and former players, it would be Kenny Payne. The one knock on Kenny is he doesn't have any head coaching experience. He's 55 years old. People would say, okay, well, he's 55 years old and he's never been a head coach. What's the deal there? Is this the job to put him in? Uh put a guy in who's never been a head coach before. But Kentucky fans are definitely interested in what's going on down at Louisville, especially from a coaching standpoint. Uh, I think a lot of people, myself, were included that it didn't work out any better with Chris Mack. We'll see what happens yeah. with the next hire. But definitely Kentucky's – the Kentucky fans are always interested in Louisville. If it's just to say, oh, you know, uh, what's, what's going on down the road. Uh, so, yeah, they're interested in this hire. Yeah, you got to keep that KFC Yum Center bumping you got to make sure that people are buying those tickets getting that kfc um john what uh what are you what let's end here 
what do you think this season ends with with Kentucky basketball? Do you think this will be a Final Four team? I know it's we're still several weeks out, but hey, you said national title was a possibility. Final Four was it within reach? Do you would you put your name to it right now that this is a Final Four team that this is a national title potential team? If you had to me, if you had to make me pick today, I would say yes, they'll make the Final Four. I'm not sure I would say that they're going to win the whole thing. There are a lot of other good teams out there that I've you know that watch. I watch a lot of college basketball that I've been pre- um, been impressed with. But yeah, I definitely think this team can make the Final Four. And if you ask me right now, I think they can make the Final Four. It wouldn't surprise me to see a couple of SEC teams in the Final Four. I think yeah. Kentucky and Auburn are both capable of making the Final Four. We'll see how it plays out. Kentucky's got some tough games left. They play Alabama twice. They have to go to Arkansas. You know, we'll see how they fare in those get fair in those games. But right now, and like I said earlier, I'm watching to see if they can keep that level of consistency. But right now, I think they are a Final Four team. I think Tennessee's got a shot if they keep every single opponent under 60 points. I think that's the key is if uh, no team ever gets above 60, then we're, we're okay. And Hey, that seems pretty simple. Pretty simple. Uh, well, I, fully, I fully expect that game at Knoxville coming up. I mm-hmm. think that'll be a different game. Kentucky's not going to shoot 67% at Thompson. You Bowl say that man, game. you say that. And I don't know the stuff that I've seen from this to, and <laughs> Tennessee as a whole, when you live and die and watch every Tennessee thing, I mean, the Purdue game. I could go up and down the list. You think you've seen it all with Tennessee sports. I promise you, John, um, it could be worse. It could always be worse. Um, how can the good folks keep up with your work this week and going forward? You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can find me online on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. Awesome. Awesome. Well, keep up the great work, sir. Good luck the rest of the way. And uh, thank you so much for the time today. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.